Hey, I'm Daniel, and welcome to the Milwaukee Chi Alpha Podcast. What you're going to get from this podcast is biblical encouragement for college students in Milwaukee. And if you don't fit that description, this can still be a good listen for you. What you're about to listen to is our sermon series called Sent. We're studying the book of Acts, the ordinary people who had an extraordinary story. looking, some of you know this, for a nice pair of headphones. I have a pair, they're really cheap, and every time I call Jeff and use them, he's like, whoa, because the feedback is so bad. So I've been looking for a nice pair of headphones, and I found, I found a pair, it's affordable, they're a pair of Beats. So I was like, okay, this is a name I know, they're good quality, the sound is probably good. Um, Looking into it, tons of research, reviews are really good. And then I realized that in 2014, Beats was bought out by Apple. And I'm not an Apple person, and probably many of you are, but I just found myself, I know that Apple makes amazing products, Jeff owns a lot of Apple products, but I found something in me, some stubbornness or pride, I had a really hard time accepting something good that I wanted from Apple, even though 30 seconds prior, I was like, these are amazing. And maybe many of you are on the opposite side, but I'm guessing that you relate to this. Like Jeff was like this when he was getting a new phone, like, oh, it's a good phone, but oh, it's not an Apple. You know what I mean? Like I'm sure many of you guys relate on one side or the other, or maybe it's other things. Maybe We're really excited. We're excited for this person until we realize, oh, you like Marvel instead of Star Wars. (laughs) Or you like the prequel of Marvel, or you like the prequels of Star Wars, or the sequels. I like the sequels, so you can all judge me for that. Yeah, right? You relate, you relate to this, like, oh, I really like this. Oh, and then you realize, or maybe, Maybe it's the wheels and doors conversation. And you realize that there are probably more doors in the world, but you've been fighting for wheels so long that something in you won't quite let yourself say anything different. Clearly, I've stirred something up. I think you all relate to this feeling. And sometimes this is good, and sometimes it's not. And sometimes we do this with our faith. Maybe you want to be all in for Jesus. You love Jesus. You love that Jesus loves people and God is love and you love all this. Oh, but there's just something. There's that one area. He's asking you to give something up. Or he's telling you to be all in. Or he's telling you to make disciples that make disciples. Or he's asking you to surrender an area of your life and you have this just stubbornness and pride that just says, oh, I want Jesus, but ah, I don't know about this. We're going to read in Acts chapter 13. And we're actually going to skip ahead a little bit. So a bit of background here because it's a really long passage. But where we are in Acts right now, Acts 1.8, go into, you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit, go into all the world, Judea, Samaria, Jerusalem, now I'm getting my order mixed up, and to the ends of the earth. So basically what we've been seeing 
is people taking Jesus filled with the Holy Spirit and spreading it out. And we've been progressively watching this go. Last week, Daniel talked about Paul and his conversion. So here we have Paul preaching in a Jewish synagogue. He gives this great um, message that we're not going to read all of, but he's pulling from the Old Testament. He's connecting the gospel to the Jews. Remember this. Remember God did this. God promised that. And so we're going to read the very end of this passage, and then we're going to read the people's response. So we're going to start verse 38. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. Take care that the prophets, that what the prophets have said does not apply to you. Look, you scoffers, wonder and perish. For I am going to do something in your days that you would never believe, even if someone told you. But Paul and Barnabas, as, I'm sorry, man, as Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak further about these things on the next Sabbath. So they've preached on one Sabbath. They said, come back next week. When the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. On the next Sabbath... Almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. They began to contradict what Paul was saying and heaped abuse on him. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly, We had to speak the word of God to you first, since you rejected it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life. We now turn to the Gentiles. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Okay, so we have Paul. He walks into this synagogue and he starts preaching. He preaches the good news. He preaches that there is forgiveness in Jesus that you could not get under the law. And the Jewish people see that it's good news and they want it and they're excited and they want Jesus. And they invite him back the next week. And so the next week they come back and the ball drops because there are Gentiles just as excited and ready as they were the week before. And so what do they do? They reject it all. They wanted Jesus but this was too much for them. They didn't want to share it with the Gentiles. In fact, commentators say many Jews, according to the narrative, did welcome the gospel as Paul had proclaimed it the previous Sabbath, but the majority, and especially their leaders, had no use for a salvation which was open to Gentiles on the same terms as Jews. Why? This seems so simple to us. Like, they're people. They want Jesus. But for them, this was a huge cultural thing. This was going against everything they had learned, culturally speaking. They got hung up on this one thing, and they didn't know how to accept the Gentiles. And we see in verse 45 that they were jealous. The gospel may be simple, but it's not always easy. It will challenge us. It will challenge our worldview. Jesus will ask us to give things up for him. To live for him in ways that we're not sure about. 
to surrender parts of our lives that we'd rather keep to ourselves. We see this in Peter as well. So Peter followed Jesus. He followed Jesus and gave up everything. He was one of the most dedicated disciples. And then Jesus said the one thing that Peter couldn't handle. We're going to read in Matthew 16, starting verse 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. This is Peter saying, I want Jesus, I want Jesus, but no, that's too much. That is too much. And Jesus' response Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciple, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Peter wanted to follow Jesus, but the idea of Jesus dying was too much. And Jesus' response is, pick up your cross daily and follow me. Die to yourself daily and follow me. And the Jews in Acts 13, they responded very similarly to Peter. They wanted Jesus, but sharing the gospel with Gentiles was too much. So the question I want to ask is, what will you do when Jesus says something to you that's too much? when he asks for something that's just too much, when he wants to correct something, when he wants you to do something, when he wants you to give something up, and you're like, ah, Jesus, I want you, but this is too much. And I, I think the story of Peter is so important because, like, this seems like a good thing. I read an author one time who said, if you're talking about, like, Peter... He, he's like, I would have joined Peter. I would have joined Peter praying that Jesus didn't die, assuming that that was God's will, because why would God will for Jesus to die? In hindsight, like, yeah, we get it, but, or maybe we get it, maybe we don't. We could talk about that another time. But what do we do when Jesus asks for something that's just, ah, too much? And we have options. There's options. Jesus doesn't force things on us. We can reject it all. We can walk away. Like the religious leaders in our passage in Acts 13, we can say it's too much. It's too big of a sacrifice. We're not willing, and we can walk away. We can also hold something back. Sorry, Jesus. I want you, but like this is too much. You don't have access to this part of my life. Dan and Sandy talked about this last week for anyone who heard our missionaries on Thursday, they talked about this idea that God will keep pursuing. If, we're, if we say we're in for Jesus and there's an area we're holding back, he's going to keep pursuing. But we have that option. We can hold it back from him. We have another option. We can wrestle with God over it. And I think sometimes this sounds like a, like, this sounds like a bad option, but this is actually a really good option 
And we see in the Bible, we see people like Jacob. We see people like David wrestling with God. Jacob, in a very literal sense, wrestled with God and was blessed for it. Jacob became Israel, the man that Israel was named after. We can wrestle with God. We can tell him, God, I don't like this. We can say, because Peter said, Peter said no. Peter rebuked Jesus. But when Jesus rebuked Peter, Peter then trusted. And that's our last option. We can trust Jesus and the Holy Spirit. We can depend on them. How do we do this? How do we trust Jesus when we feel like he's asking too much? When we feel like we're being shaken because of what he's asking? I want to look at this idea of trust. Going back to Paul in this passage, he spent a while, so we summarize it. We didn't read it because it's kind of long. You can go back and read it tonight if you would like. But we see this a lot where Paul spent a while preaching from the Old Testament. He's in a synagogue telling the Jewish people their own history. He's reminding them of their history. He's reminding them of their God who stretches out his mighty hand. Commentator says Paul uses very similar language here as a callback. He reminds them that they serve a God who stretches out his mighty hand, who works in the nation of Israel. He reminds them that they're looking for the coming Messiah. And in the end, they still reject the message. But what Paul is doing here is really important. And there's reasons for why, why this sermon looked the way it did. It's very possible that it was, a, it was a style that you would see frequently within synagogues. There's lots of different reasons why this could be exactly how it was. But we also see that he's intentionally connecting the Jewish people to their past, to what they know is true. They know God is God. They know the Messiah is coming. They even know that their scripture talks about Gentiles. He quotes Habakkuk 1.5, For I am going to do something in your days that you would never believe, even if someone told you. He's reminding them. He's reminding them of what they know is true. He's reminding them of the things in their life, the ways that God has proven to the nation of Israel that he is faithful. If Jesus is asking something of you that feels impossible, let your past inform you and remind you of who Jesus is. This idea that even if you're in the darkness right now and you feel like God is asking you something that's impossible, remember, remember what he said to you in the past. Remember those moments of clarity that you had. Hold on to the clarity you had in the light even when you're in the dark. Hold on to those clarity moments, those moments where you know God moved in my life in this way. God did the impossible. God provided. God spoke this. Hold on to those moments when you're in the dark, when you feel like Jesus is asking too much. And if you, if you don't feel like you have those moments, 
Um, let's, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. Talk with your small group leader. Talk with one of us. We see this in the Psalms all the time. The psalmists remind the people of what God has done. Sometimes we need that. Sometimes we need other people to remind us of what God has done in our life. Sometimes we need other people to remind us of the goodness. And that's what Paul's doing here. Let the people around you do that. If you cannot think back to the faithfulness God has, let the people around you speak to that. Or let the Bible speak to it. Look at the stories of what he's done in the Bible, the way he's loved people, the way Jesus loved people, the way Jesus didn't let people settle and force them out of their comfort zone, the way Jesus said, no, I will not let you treat people this way. I will not let you do this. You need to love your enemies. You need to love your wife. You need to do all these things. He didn't let people settle. You need to take care of the orphans and the widows and the people you're trying to reject. And how thankful we are that Jesus didn't let those people settle and say, no, Jesus, you don't get control in this area of our lives. Remind yourself of God's faithfulness, both in your own life, in the lives of people around you, and in the Bible. Hold on to his truth that you've seen in the past. That's what Paul is doing here. He's intentionally holding on and reminding the people of who God is and what he's done. He's letting what God has done, what they know to be true about God, inform their present reality. And I want to look at the um, end of this passage. Oh, which I don't actually have. Jeff, do you have a bi your Bible? Could I see your Bible? I'm missing a piece of scripture here. Thank you. We're going to look at the very end of this chapter. I'm sorry, I don't have it on the screen. But verse 49, so the people have decided they don't like Paul. They've stirred up trouble. Paul is fleeing the city. Well, we'll start verse 48. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored that the word of the Lord and all who were appointed for eternal life believed. The word of the Lord spread through the whole region, but the Jewish leaders incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. So they shook the dust off their feet as a warning to them and went to Iconium. And the disciples, this is where it gets really weird, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. When we read this passage as a staff, we just started laughing. Like, what? They're being persecuted. They're being rejected. They're being kicked out. And the disciples are full of joy in the Holy Spirit. This line seems so out of place. There's no explanation. But they're filled with joy and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Awful stuff is happening. Persecution is happening. And they're filled with joy and filled with the Holy Spirit. And this stands in stark contrast to what the religious leaders in the passage do. And I don't think that's an accident because Paul comes with this message and the people say, mm-mm, we want Jesus, but not if it means we need to accept the Gentiles. And so they, they persecute them. They send them out. And then on the other side, in stark contrast, you have the disciples who are now facing persecution 
and their leader's been kicked out, and life's just gotten a whole ton harder, and they're choosing to trust God, and they're filled with joy in the Holy Spirit. And this doesn't mean it's easy. Like, I'm not saying this is easy. I know this is hard. We have read over the past weeks, over the past semester, we have read passage and after passage, story after story in the book of Acts of hard co- times coming on the first believers. And we have seen Stephen killed. We've seen James killed. We've seen Peter thrown in prison. We've seen all these awful things happen, hard time after hard time. And yet we still have the gospel. Why? Because they kept going. Because despite persecution, despite hardship, despite watching their friends beaten and their friends killed, they kept going and, as 1-8 said, spread the gospel to the ends of the earth. Our missionaries last week talked about this too, how it's, it's hard. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes they needed to pray to, that they, God would help them be willing which is a beautiful prayer. God, help me be willing. But they kept going. And so this this is where I want to end if Jeff wants to come up. But I want to ask the question, when God brings something to your attention that just feels like too much, will you be like the Jews, like the religious leaders who rejected Paul and Jesus, who caused issues in their city and in their congregation when they realized they didn't like what Jesus was asking them to do? Or will you be like the disciples who faced with persecution in hard times? I'm just going to guess that's also something they didn't really want to endure. They were filled with joy in the Holy Spirit. They held on to Jesus. They let Jesus be their foundation. And this is a process, and that's okay. It is okay that this is a process. If you were like, I want to trust Jesus, but I don't know if I can, that is okay. It is a journey. Even Peter stood up and said, no, Jesus, you're wrong. But Peter allowed Jesus to correct him. Peter allowed Jesus to speak into his life. Peter did not walk away. It is okay to question and figure things out. That is still different than what the Jews did. The Jews rejected it and walked away. It is okay to ask questions. It is okay to not be sure. sometimes I think we know what he's calling us to. And so I want to ask, what is, what is God prompting you to do? What is, what is that prompting within your spirit? And when you feel that prompting, what will you do with it? Will you wrestle with him? Will you let him speak to that? Will you ask him his, your concerns and questions instead of just flat out rejecting and closing the door on him? Will you ask the people around you to help you, to join you in prayer, to say, I, I don't know. I don't know if I can do this. 
We're all about community here. Will you let the people around you help you? Will you let him do his work in you, or will you keep control? Will you be like the Jewish people who rejected the gospel when they realized they didn't like what he was asking them to do? Or will you be like the disciples who held on to Jesus and the Holy Spirit even when it was hard? Will you trust him? And if you can't trust him, will you wrestle with him? Um, we're going to take some time to pray. I want to take some time and reflect. And maybe you'll take, spend this time asking God, like, God, what are you calling me to? Is there something that I'm rejecting or ignoring? Or maybe you already know what he's prompting you to. And you need to wrestle. You need to be honest. Be like, God, I don't know about this. God, I really want to say no right now. God, help me because I can't say yes without your help. Maybe it's the prayer that we see in the book of Mark. God, I believe, help my unbelief. Or the prayer that our missionary said last week. God, I'm unwilling. Help me to be willing. Wherever you are, I encourage you to be honest with God right now. But I want to ask two questions really quickly before we jump into prayer. Maybe you're here tonight and you want to follow Jesus for the first time. And I think oftentimes with a challenging message, we think like, who would hear this and want to follow Jesus? We don't follow Jesus because it's like the easiest thing in the world. We follow Jesus because he's real. Because sometimes we feel that prompting. We feel that prompting and we know that he's there. And he cares enough to knock on our door. So if everyone can just close their eyes. If you want to follow Jesus for the first time, and you know that it's not always the easiest, but you know that it's worth it and you want to allow him to have that place to lead in your life for the first time, could you raise your hand so I can pray for you? Thank you. And I want to ask a second question. Maybe you're here and you're feeling him tugging at an area of your life. And maybe you want to respond like the disciples instead of like the religious leaders. And you know you desperately need his help in that. If that's you, if, you're, if you feel him tugging and you, you just desperately need his help in that. Or, you know, not desperately, a little bit. A little bit of his help is good too. Um, would you raise your hand so I can pray for you? I'm going to pray. Jesus, I thank you that you care enough about us to knock on our hearts, to knock on our doors, that you care enough about us to say, follow me. It's not always easy, but it's worth it. That you care enough about us to love us even when we're not sure if we're ready. 
God, I pray for um, anyone here who wants to follow you for the first time, that you will meet them, that as they invite you into their life right now, that you will come as they open that door to you, that you will step in and be the Lord and leader of their life. And God, I pray for everyone here who raised their hand, everyone here who didn't raise their hand but feels that tug from you, that they know you are calling them to something that they're just not sure they want to give up. They're not quite sure they want to do what you are asking. But they desperately want your help. Meet those people. As they wrestle with you, meet them. As they question you and aren't sure, meet them. Give them the strength and the ability to trust you. To trust you. We pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So we're going to take a couple minutes. Jeff's going to keep playing. And we're just going to, um, I want to encourage you to, to talk with Jesus about this. Talk with him. Ask him. Tell him. Tell him how angry you are that he's asking for this area of your life. Reach out to him. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Instagram at MilwaukeeXA to keep up to date on our events and services. Or stop by Bolton Hall Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. in room B40.